We are all unique, and how each of us moves through life by working with the unseen, spiritual parts of us looks different. If one way you access support is through books, and you haven't tried the Soulquake Survival Guide yet, today's a great day to try it before you buy it. Head to the show notes where I have a link for you to receive a free PDF of the first chapter. Enjoy the first chapter, and if you love it, you can find it on Amazon Worldwide in paperback, audio, and ebook. Your journey matters, my friend, and reviving your connection to spirit in earth-shaking times can be a game changer. Welcome to Enthusiastically Spiritual. I'm your host, Teresa Schantz. I am an enthusiastic soul passionate about the spiritual part of life. Spirituality today is like an indulgent dessert buffet filled to the brim with unique offerings and services from amazing souls around the world. Join me in chowing down on some mini morsel bites to satisfy your spiritual sweet tooth starting now. Often have you looked at the world today and wondered how the upcoming generation is going to get through all that life is currently offering? I myself raised two daughters this lifetime. And at that time, which was about 10 to 15 years ago, the pressure to succeed in school, the pressure of competitive sports and competitive events oftentimes left them and myself in exhaustion. And looking back, I truly had no guidelines. I was a mother who didn't understand the bigger spiritual picture and energy awareness that is very prevalent in society at this time. I truly did my best with what I had in my parenting toolbox, but I am excited about my guest today who has written an amazing book called A Parenting Revolution for Higher Evolution. Her name is Julie Hatch, and she is a holistic parenting coach. She has 30 years of experience as a pediatric nurse practitioner. She left Western medicine to pursue traditional Chinese medicine, including acupuncture and herbal remedies. Her parent coaching practices stems from her studies and experience in Eastern Chinese medicine. Her book truly is a provocative read for consciously awakening parents who are searching for an easier way to raise their kids in today's complex, high-pressured, rapidly changing world. The current direction of, of kids' health with rising rates of depression and anxiety demands that something's change in how we raise our kids. Besides, right now, something isn't working, and today, Julie is here to shed some big light on how to embrace your children and their mission in an amazing new way. So, hey, let's join in the conversation. Welcome, Julie. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to be here. <laughs> well, okay, so I just finished your book recently on a trip I was on. And first thing I want to say about this is my kids are 26 and 28. And if I had this book, and also if I had the understanding and the bigger spiritual picture awareness that yeah. goes along with this book, this book is a life game changer for parents and children. Well, thank you. I like to think so also. Um, and it's not for everybody because it's all there is spirituality and awareness and mindfulness. And but that's where I'm hoping we're all going eventually someday to a higher, you know, 
higher evolution is what I call it in the name of the book, and that we become more aware and conscious of ourselves and the world, and especially our kids and what they need from us. And I 100% believe that that is the way we're trending. I mean, and everything out there, all the people who are of service, who are moving forward, this beautiful book, um, it's all part of the of the transformation, all part of the ascension of where we're moving to as a collective energetically. So I want to dive into a bit about the um, about children and about where they're at now and how we can help them evolve through some of the beautiful aspects you have in this book, because it is it's chock full. It's a small book, but it's um, yeah. it's absolutely chock full of amazing um, aspects of dealing with your children. So first, let's talk about cycles of life. Let's talk about that and those first really important cycles that um, that children are affected by the parents they live with. So would you like to share a little bit about the cycles of life? Yeah, um, certainly. I think that I have said in the book that the first eight years, age zero, or even before in utero, even really, <laughs> they are um, affected by us and their environment. But certainly um, from birth to about age seven or eight is um, the most important time in somebody's life. And people, you know, parents just think that your baby's there to be fed and change the diaper and they're, but they're not, they are, they are just soaking in everything in their environment. And so what you provide as a parent in their environment the energy you create, the things that you say, the things that you don't say, the nonverbal communication is all really important. And they are there soaking it up. <laughs> they are, they're just taking in everything that you are. And so we want to bring our best selves forward for, to, to model great aspects of ourselves for our kids. Um, and then once they get, so we have huge influence. We have well, that's our most influential time is I think up until age eight about. And then when they go off to school, then they have the influence of friends and teachers and friends, parents. And so they, so um, the influence gets diluted. And then of course, when they get to be high school, we have pretty much no influence. <laughs> we do have some influence, but it's all those years before teenagerness that, that we really have an impact, but definitely the first seven to eight years. And I often hear parents saying, oh my God, I was, you know, I did this and did that during the first seven, to eight years, but to at least be aware of it. And, um, and it's never too late to turn on the mindfulness and the compassion and the conscious, conscious living with your kids. <laughs> Oh, I can so relate to that, Julie, because now that my kids are older and I'm in a different place spiritually and more awake, mm. I often call myself a hot energetic mess when they were younger. <laughs> and I know that energetically I was feeding off of them. They were feeding off of me. We were feeding off of dad. It was a whole conundrum or like maybe a, you know, a pot filled with <laughs> just stirring constantly of emotions and things going on and, and where people were at spiritually and, and you know, energetically. And it was, yeah, it was a really hard time, but I also look at it like I was just, I dealt with and worked with what I had at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. So I I can't be hard on myself because I was where my soul was at at that moment. I wasn't open and awake yet, but it's okay. And they'll grow and live and learn from it too. Do you believe that also? Yes, definitely. I imagine that your kids have come out probably really very nice young men, women, whatever they are. They probably did just great with what you were, what you did. Um, and we do, everybody just does the best job they can. And so that's one of my not so pronounced message, but an important message is that parents, mother, especially mothers, but parents need to 
give themselves a break. Just know that you're doing the best that you can. Nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. And no parent should should think that they can be perfect. We don't have all the answers for our kids. Um, We just do the best that we can. And if you have a, to start with a, um, a big open heart and a desire to do the best that you can for your kids, then that's, that's, that's a good start. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. And I know you've been on a journey yourself in unfolding all of this and moving into traditional Chinese medicine. So mm. I'd like to talk a little bit about how you got to where you're at now and the transformational medical mission you took to Brazil that kind of sparked all of this. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, that was a, that was a big turning point. Um, didn't feel like a big turning point at the time, but when I look back and see how, what, how everything has been influenced, it was a big turning point. So I was in, I have been in Western medicine working in um, pediatric and neonatal intensive care for over 30 years. And around 15 or 20 years ago, 18 years ago, whatever it was, um, I had the opportunity, I love to travel, and I had the opportunity to go and do a medical mission in Brazil to help kids that were being treated for cancer. So I went with a bunch of other Americans, some were ner- a couple were nurses, but not everybody. And what happened there is that I couldn't do anything because I didn't have a license to do anything medical um, or nursing. I didn't speak the language. So it was not at all what I had envisioned and planned, but I got so much more out of it because I got to see what you can do when you can't speak the language and you can't give medications and IVs and stuff like that. There's so much more holistic healing that you can help with really we worked more with the parents and the kids, but we did both in terms of massage and all the other alternative modalities that then I explored when I got back from there. And I explored um, massage and Reiki and craniosacral therapy, um, several other things, but landed on acupuncture. And um, so I left Western medicine and just only now do acupuncture, although certainly I incorporate Western medicine because it's in, it's, it's in here. <laughs> there's no denying it. And there's a, definitely a place for Western medicine. I don't deny Western medicine at all. I think of it more as integrative, in, integrating the two of them. Um, so that's what happened. It was that trip to, med- to Brazil where I had visions of <laughs> saving the world down there and saving the kids. And it's not what happened. <laughs> It's often interesting how um, our visions of, of what we think something's going to look like or play out like is usually never kind of, you know, what we think it's going to be. It's always something a little bit different. But like you said, you yeah. gain such knowledge and such experience and that bigger, you know, picture of, okay, now how do I work with the people that I can't even talk to? That's right. a big deal. Yep. Yeah, it is a big, and it felt like a, a subtle deal, but it was, like I say, it was transformative, definitely. So it set me on the path to um, traditional Chinese medicine which I absolutely love. I think it's, mm. there's a beautiful place for it and it works so well with my body. I love acupuncture and, and traditional Chinese medicine. So I want to dive a little bit into parts of the book. So you talk about the five elements and ways to understand how your children's are one of these elements. So I, I thought this part was brilliant as well as not only relating to children, but like relating to other people in my life. So can you explain this a little bit for the listeners? And of course they can dive in deeper by reading your book, but this was really cool to me. Yeah. I love the five elements. Um, So what the five elements are is a foundation of Chinese medicine, how we treat either um, emotional problems, psychological problems, physical problems are all based on the five elements in Chinese medicine. And they are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And so what I write about with these elements types in the book is that our kids, all of us, are an element type. But we have a dominant element type. 
And sometimes if there's a close second, um, if there's an element type that is also kind of like us, we have a, um, a supporting element type, but there's always a dominant one and we're born with it and we die with it. And it is, it is us. It is just, it's, there's no changing the element type, which is important to know about your kids. There's no changing how they were born, what they came into this world with. Um, so with each of the five element types, there are, um, so in the book, you can take a, a quiz to find out what element type your child is. And it gives, um, so their element type, which is also, I call their true nature. Somebody might call it their Buddha nature. I also refer to it as their soul. Um, it is who they are at the core. It is what, it helps to shape their personality and their temperament, but it is, but it's the driving, not force, but the driving energy behind who they are and how they interact in the world and what they like in the world and what enlivens them and what doesn't enliven them and what stresses them and what makes them feel great. So there's challenges and they're motivators. And just by knowing your element type, your child's element type, you have a really good um, beginning understanding of what makes them tick basically. And we all think that we, and we do, we all know our kids really, really well, probably better than anybody else, but this is a way to get a different perspective. Um, a different way to look at your child It's more objective. There's no labeling in it. For instance, um, a lot of wood children are, um, labeled as ADHD because they're super, super high energy. But I would much rather call a child a wood child than an ADHD or a hyperactive child because labeling, I don't think in that way is very helpful. So it's just another, it's a, it's a way of looking into your child. And I think of it also as their GPS, that their true nature is what is what, if they can listen to it and understand what their true nature is, it can guide them in the direction that they should be going in life because they're born with this nature, their inner essence. I also call it, there are many names for it, but it's all, it's what's in here. It's not what's out here or what they look like or the grades that they get. It's what's in here. Um, there was something else I was going to add, but I, oh, so it's also helpful to then, like you say, you do it for your yourself. So if there are other, if you have more than one child, then you can look to see parenting doesn't, is not one size fits all. If you have more than one child, you know that Different kids require different things from you as a parent. So you can see how the different element types interact together, what problems might arise, what works well together. Same with the parents or grandparents or whoever is, is um, interacting with your child. It's, it's just a, it's fun too. And it's really, I don't know. I just find it really helpful. Yeah. I found it really exciting. It's something that I hadn't seen before in other books or any other teachings. Um, so I thought it was a really great way. And I found out what my children were when I went through, I was like, wow, that's super cool. Mm. And um, I also feel that, like I said, it's just a great way to, you know, understand how people are and that different unique soul that lives in our bodies. Cause that's to me is a big deal is when I come through it, like, um, like my mom and dad, I'm nothing like them. I mean, mm -hmm. I have parts of them, but I'm nothing like them. And even my mom will say to me, you know, you've always been very directed and very focused and you, you want to leave home when you were young. Yes. I was like, I came in going, I'm on a mission from God and I'm, <laughs> you know, I need to get on with this. Right. Uh -huh. And so understanding our children, that they are unique souls. And we just contracted to help them come in that they've got, like you said, the GPS in their intuition, they've got, you know, that the beautiful elements of what really makes them up and honoring that and understanding how they roll. So they're not going to be like me. They're going to be like them. And how do I work with that? That's what I found beautiful about your book is that that really bigger picture of how do I work with this soul as a child? Cause it's really just 
a wise soul in a young body. Yeah, very true. And when they, yeah. And when they, the younger they are, the, I think the closer to the surface, the soul is, it's easier to see. And if they come in pure, pure, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. they get tainted as you go through life. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the younger, the younger they are, the easier to figure out what their element type is. And yeah, the big picture of what, um, what they are meant to be doing, what they are designed, what God designed them or the, the great source, whatever you want to call it, designed mm-hmm. them to do with their lives. And so if, the, if we can honor that and nourish that and respect that and not enforce, not push um, our, well, certainly our values, yes, but not our expectations or um, ideas of how they should be or how we think they should be or how we want them to be, which is so common for parents to do. It just, unless unless they're right in line, unless their element type is right in line with what you want, great. But oftentimes it's not, usually it's not. And so it's doing them no favors at all to try to turn them, make them be or do something other than what they're meant to do or be. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Another thing I really want to touch on is fear-based parenting, because mm-hmm. right now where we're at as a collective and, you know, if I look back, it's probably always been, there's been always a fear-based parenting, but now it's so pronounced. And I'll, I'll say that because I was going through the airports recently, Julie, and I, one time I saw this dad holding this baby and he must've been two. And the fear that this little kid had in his face, I, I mean, I was like, it almost took my breath away. I was like, how, it just made me so sad because the fact that he wasn't like down, you know, running around with his dad, he was really close in. And I, and I saw and felt, cause I'm very sensitive, other mm. children, as I was moving through the airport with this fear, which uh, to me, it stems from obviously the collective energies, but also their parents. Yeah. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Now I know in the book, it really talks about, you know, keeping the kids close and how to work with that and giving them their space. So would you like, would you share a bit about that and how people can really work with what they're feeling as a being and how to not really, you know, try to keep that away from their kids a bit because it's so challenging. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of anxiety in the world these days in adults and kids and I call, I call anxiety contagious because <laughs> if we're, if you as a mother or we as a, I as a mother am really anxious, your child's just going to feed off that. That's, they're going to just, like I had said be, at the beginning, they pick up everything. So they're going to say, oh, well, anxiety is the way to function because that's how mom gets through life. Um, and it's, so that's just anxiety. So, and, and fear-based parenting comes from anxiety and or produces anxiety. And um I read a good book, The Coddling of American Mind or Children or something like that. And the fear-based parenting came from back, I think, in the 80s, maybe, maybe before that, um, where a a child went missing. And that was when the pictures on the side of the milk carton started showing up and what actually was true from what this book says, and they did a lot of research, one, maybe two kids in, I don't know, decades and decades actually did go missing, but it was made such an uproar. And it was just so, of course, nobody wants to have that happen to their kids, but it just, it just magnified a tiny, tiny little occurrence and made it into a way out of proportion. So I think still stemming from that parents are reluctant or afraid to um, give their kids freedom and kids need their freedom. This also leads me into the, um, 
similar topic of free range play, letting kids go, <laughs> um, certainly keeping them safe, uh, age dependent, developmental level dependent, but let them go and explore, let them go out and get play in the mud puddles, let them go out and, you know, get dirty and climb trees and run risk. They need to run risk, um, safe risk. Well, depending on the age, maybe not so safe risk. They need to, they need to be able to figure out their risk levels. And so when kids are allowed to, for one thing, play outdoors without a whole lot of adult interruption, that in itself is good. Outdoor free play is really good. But when you get a bunch of kids together that are um, encouraged to play together without an adult saying, okay, this is what you guys are going to do. This is how you're going to play. Even structured baseball or structured sports, they're really good for kids, absolutely, but it's not the same as free play or unstructured play. When the when there's no adults saying this is what you guys are going to be doing or or watching and monitoring and controlling what goes on, that doesn't that's not the same thing. So free range um, play free play helps them with with social skills that kids aren't getting so much anymore these days. And these social skills include um, working together, cooperation making rules and then enforcing the rules without an adult saying this is the rules, but let the kids do it. Cooperation, compromise, they learn how to give and take. Um, they learn, like I say, how to set the rules, resolve conflicts. Um, they see that there are, other there are other points of view, that there are other kids that have other ideas of how things should be done. So there's a whole bunch of, it's, 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 a whole bunch of so nuanced social skills that are learned that way. And so that's kind of a big, long answer for <laughs> fear-based parenting. <laughs> but I, I just feel really strongly, and I think that there's a move coming back to encourage free-range play, let your kids run around and, and experience life more than what we've been doing. And so I'm jumping on that bandwagon. <laughs> I feel I, feel I love I, I love strong. that bandwagon, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> and what it reminds me of is, well, I grew up. I was born in 1968, so I grew up where we went outside, we played. Mom didn't know where I was at until you know the dark dark came. We ran home, and we were all over the place. And I got into troubles, and I had to learn about those troubles, and I got a spanking, or I mean, like all the things that um, you know that was really that free range growing up and just learning how to kind of adapt and things like that. That's really important that nowadays it's, it's all about keeping them in the house, keeping them in. Don't, don't go here. I'm scared. And yeah, it's just a whole, and it's, it's interesting to me. It didn't take that long for it to shift. I to know where we're at now. That's really weird. Right. Julie, what's that about? Yeah. I, I don't know why it shifted. I think that, I don't know if they just need to feel like they have to have um, control. Well, part of it perhaps is, um, it's hard for parents, well, this is a little bit of a different kind of a topic, but it's hard for parents to see their kids struggle. It's hard to see their kids, um, you know, come in last in the real, they just, it's hard to see your kids have a hard time. And so we want to make things easy for them. We want to clear the path and make it so they don't fall down and go boom and get hurt. But in fact, when they're in our, when they're growing up, that is the time to let them experiment and fall down and fail and be humiliated and be all those horrible things. It's horrible to watch your kids go through, but that's the time for them to do it because they have the support of parents at home. Still, when you're, you know, 25 and 30, you, you, you don't have your parents really to pick you back up and, and 
brush you off and say, okay, go ahead, try again <laughs> and encourage them to, to, but so they need the bumps in the road. That's what builds confidence. That's what builds um, resilience. You need to go through, you need to go through the ups and downs. If all you have is ups, all you have is good things and protection. You're missing out on half of life for one thing. And it does, it does, it, it cripples them to not let them experience and, and go through the ups and downs. You know, what comes to my mind too, if we talk about this, Julie, is that it stems back to the parents, like the parents have to do their work too. Mm. So I know this, you know, this is a spirit, this is a spiritual podcast, right? So I'm hoping that the people, my listeners, they're out there doing their own personal work also, and then sharing that with other people that aren't, but maybe need some support because it stems back to us and how we do things. And so I recall in the book, you talked about parents doing homework and I had heard of this. I didn't do ever do that for my children, but I had heard of parents that did like the the projects and the homework for their kids. And what did they learn? They learned nothing. The children learned nothing, but the fact that, well, mom's going to do my thing. So I don't have to do it. I mean, it's, yeah. and that to me just, it blows my mind. I can't imagine of like my mom and dad were like, you know, I'm not going to do your homework. I mean, <laughs> you know, go survive kid. I mean, it was so different. Yeah. I saw, I, I saw a lot of, friends, people, and um, parents of my kids that did that. They, uh, and it just, it, it, it really amazed me. And it was, you know, why <laughs> it's just a project, you know, what's, <laughs> so you get an A in this perfect project that your parents did. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't get it either, I but um, yeah, it's our job to support our kids, nourish them in the way that they're, that they are inclined to go and that they're, Buddha nature um, directs them in. And so it's, it's, it is the bigger picture. It's not the micromanaging. The micromanaging isn't going to um, do them any favors and it's really not important. And I also think that when you parent to your child's true nature, um, when you can sort of let go and say, well, yeah, let go and say, not micromanage and not control. It's really makes parenting a lot easier because when you're trying to make them be a certain way and they're fighting against that and they're saying, no, that's not me. Um, or whatever, whenever there's conflict, whenever you're forced trying to make something happen, it's just so much easier to say, okay, I think that really they're supposed to be doing such and such a thing. They say that they really want to take music lessons or they really don't want to take music lessons, whatever it is, we want to listen to them and honor their, um, what they're trying to tell us, their communication with us. Obviously there are caveats to that and there's exceptions and all that. But in general, I think that <laughs> it's our job to help them along with what they feel is, feels good inside to them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Another thing I really liked about your book, Julie, is I like the, um, you had some practices in the book besides of course the, um, the beautiful um, element one, but one that really stuck out to me, which I thought, oh my gosh, I need to do that with everybody is when you practice seeing your child as a light. Mm. That was so, I got chills just telling you that. I mean, I just loved it. I'm like, why? Because I, I like to see people soul to soul, you know, like, and, and work with people soul to soul, even children soul to soul. But that practice in itself was just so beautiful. Would you like to, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, it's um, like you say, it's seeing your child as a light. It's so easy that we see as a soul. I've really thought about this recently also when I see fireflies. I see fireflies as like little souls coming into the dark. But so see, look, trying to see your child for, if you close your eyes and picture them um, as a light, like a color maybe that that you see them as or their favorite color and try not to see their 
their form, <laughs> try to see the soul that is inhabiting their form and try not to listen to their voices or what they're saying, but just to see them as a light because it's there. And again, I think that the younger they are, the easier it is to do that. They are just, they are. And it just, it's like, it comes from here. It comes from their third chakra, I think. Third chakra? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, just to, to, to try to um, look, look deeper into them rather than the superficial. Let's we focus so much on the superficial and this is the deeper, the deeper stuff, or the deeper Definitely. what they're made up of. Without a doubt, going to that soul essence of, of who that child is. Mm. I love the fact that you can appreciate that. That makes me really happy. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, a hundred percent. And the other thing I really want to touch on is empathy and compassion mm-hmm. and how you have, you bring that into the book and share about, um, I like the aspect when like, you know, you bring uh, children into say a play area and one, a couple are crying and then the rest cry. And then, and how does that work out? So I'd love for you to share a little bit about um, being in harmony in your inner nature. And that's in harmony with your outer nature with, with your children. Um, so with me, you mean with parents being in tune with their own mm-hmm. inner nature? Yeah. When you are in tune with your own inner nature, it's for one thing is easier to connect with your child's inner nature. And um, I, I like to stress the point of understanding your child, compassion for your child, but also, and I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but also not needing the external stuff for for validation, for self-worth um, and so if we can do that for ourselves, everything that I talk about in the book, we really need to be able to do for ourselves first before we can, or, or as we're doing it with our kids. But so to get, to help our kids get their um, validation, their self-worth from within that we can also help to communicate to them rather than from the clothes that they wear, the bank account that they have, the materialism, which I think is just getting to be more and more of a problem in in the world today is the materialism. And um, it's more important to connect and to to connect with your own soul and their soul um, more than the, more than the materialistic stuff. So I guess I would say that this book, a parenting revolution for higher evolution Raising resilient, responsible, compassionate kids from the inside out really is a beautiful essence of how to raise these children in a new way as a soul and relating to them in that way. It's a beautiful book, Julie. And I'm so happy you came on today. I want to talk one more thing about your Mums on a Mission podcast because you have a beautiful Mm -hmm. podcast too. And I'd love you to share a bit about that. Oh, thank you, Teresa. Yep, I done a um, it's Mom's on a Mission with Julie Hatch, and it's really pretty much um, this is kind of over everything encompasses this message that I'm wanting to get out there to um, really help the kids of the world, but to help the kids, we really have to help the parents. <laughs> um, so the the podcast talks with other people, like minded people, like I'm talking with you who are like minded, which is just so gratifying and satisfying. Um, but it's about um, kids in general, but many different aspects. People come in and talk about um, intimacy after the kids are born. A lot of a lot of people are talking about different ways of looking at relationships. Um, Stay at home mothers, how to parent, and things like that. So it's a really it's a it's a very comprehensive. They're really great get great guests that I have on that show. And um, right now it's on. I'm um, taking a break from it because I'm doing a lot of 
um, podcast, interviewing on podcasts, but it was a good show it, it, and it will come back. Um, so it's Julie Hash, Mom's on a Mission, um, and it's on my, well, actually my website, if that's okay, if I do this, Teresa, the, um, the book you can find on my website and podcasts and blogs um, are all on my website. And that website is juliephillipshatch.com. And I promise to have that in the show notes so everyone can go right to the show notes and click right on that and go right over it and, and get a copy of this amazing book and, um, and check out what Julie's got going on. So thank you so much, Julie, for coming on today. It has been an absolute pleasure and I absolutely love the book. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad that um, you enjoyed the book. That makes me feel really, really good. (laughs) A big thanks to Julie for coming on today and sharing her beautiful new book. And thanks to all you listeners who listen in every single week and subscribe to this podcast. And if you love this podcast and want to continue supporting it, please consider going to the link in the show notes to buy me a coffee. Also check out the link in the show notes to Enthusiastically Spiritual's merch shop. We've got some great new merchandise, some tank shirts for working out, for those cool summer vibes, and continually keeping that enthusiasm rocking in everything you're doing. So until next week, just remember that life is too short to not be enthusiastic about your unique journey. Believe it or not, when you arrived back for another life, you were enthusiastic to be here. If you've lost that enthusiastic feeling, well, there's a way to reawaken it. It's by embracing a bigger spiritual picture of your life as a soul and igniting the feeling of spiritual freedom within. So if you are ready and needing some more enthusiastic mojo for your life, follow the link in the show notes where you can access a free video series created by the Wayshowers College and start recapturing the enthusiasm you have within for your unique journey.